Whether or not it's safe or not, I think it, humanity needs to, we, we need to continually ask ourselves questions. That's how, that's how we move forward. I come from a very conforming sort of background and the Christian background, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that. And on the one hand, um, there was a lot of spirituality being taught and practiced at home. On the other hand, there was also a lot of, a lot of abuse. Yeah, it was quite, I think it was just quite, quite confusing for me growing up. Um, and I guess sweet disposition was just, a, again, just me sort of expressing this yearning to, to, this, to this childhood that I wish I had. That's Dougie Mundougie, the frontman of the band The Temper Trap, and you're listening to The Beginning of Us. feel like something is rapidly transfiguring in my core being, an awakening of sorts. The Beginning of a raw conversation hosted by your main frother, Billy Otto. Pulling apart what it means to rebirth, to rewild, to be curious, and to rechild. Last episode of the season, yeah. Woo. Oh, fam, can you believe it is the last episode for this season, season one? or some would say volume one of my podcast, Billy Otto, The Beginning of Us. And I just wanted to take a moment to reflect. This year has been a tumultuous year of sorts, quite chaotic, quite a vulnerable year for so many of us. I hope you can take some time to diarize uh, and, and write down some intentions. You know, for myself, ending this year was heavy. And as some of you know, it was like some of the most traumatizing times of my life. Um, but it's kind of caused me to go into a deeper reflection, consideration, just sitting with that pain. Because um, I do believe that in the liminal space, that is the greatest space in which we can accelerate. Consciousness only cares about one thing, evolution. Evolution of the world, evolution of ourselves. You know, I spent like a couple of nights in a fetal position over the last couple of weeks. A few tears, um, my gal had to put up with some of my my whimperings, my my tears, my ups and downs. But you know, I, I just have been instructed by these impressions and by mentors just to really embrace this moment in my life. But yeah, enough about that. I'm still waking up stoked. I just want to say that hosting this podcast has conjured up a hell of a lot of reflection. It's brought a whole new nexus of community, uh, a marketplace of ideas for me. I'd love if you could please support this pod. Yes, we're just about to finish season one, volume one. It's free, but it takes a lot of work. And, and when you subscribe and leave a comment and when you tell a friend, this goes such a long way. So for me, ending a year in a heavy way, you get a bit rocked, you get a bit shattered, but we are all these beautiful mosaics, part of this great body of work in this universe of love and mutation and color, palette, tenor, timbre. And as you begin this year and reflect on last year, I don't even want to hear you say or think, oh, was that the best year of my life? Oh, no, it was the worst year. I just want to ask you, was it a considered year for you? What did you learn? What trauma surfaced? 
Did you love well? Did you nurture your body? Did you find purpose in your work? These are some of the questions that I ask myself on a regular basis, to be honest. Coming back to core, coming back to source. And I just want to say that I'm, I'm so excited to have my dear friend Dougie Mundougie from the great band The Temper Trap on my podcast. Bumped into Dougie, just introduced myself, and we just hit off, became good friends. And he enjoyed the podcast from things that he'd heard and he just got on the bandwagon and, you know, came over and we recorded this potty. Um, he's been an inspiration to me from a young age and he honestly was one of the dudes that gave me some encouragement to take on music as a man of color, as an Asian man. This year we've had the likes of Ben Gordon, Isabel Cornish, Dan Kalapsky, Cliff Capono, the surfer from Hawaii, Yes, yeah, so many legends. And season two is only going to be even more vast and expansive, funny, and even more wild. So yeah, here's my friend, Dougie Mun Dougie. Lots of love, fam. Namaste. God bless you all. The beginning of us. Here I am today with the Berlin-based Indonesian prince, <laughs> the divine ARIA award-winning songsmith, the twin fin riding brown brother, with a messianic exterior, he exudes flow, childlikeness, curiosity, and allure. Dougie Mundagi, welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me. What an intro. What an intro. <laughs> <laughs> it's all true. It's all true. <laughs> Literally, man, when I just been yesterday, there's just like this thing of like, <clears throat> I think we, we, with all your hair out, there was definitely this like, Southeast Asian Jesus thing coming out and you were just this, this <laughs> oh prophet man. That's hilarious because I have a friend who calls me Cambodian Jesus. <laughs> Why Cambodian? I don't know because we all look alike. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> She's so racist. Oh, bro, thanks so much for coming for the chats. Oh, man, thanks for having me. You're the, it's good. you know, it's the first season of the podcast, but you're the first Asian that I've had. And so it's, it's good. time. I know. <laughs> Asian lives don't matter. It's just, it's just a thing. It doesn't, does it? <laughs> Far out, man. The forgotten people. <laughs> oh. Dude, um, you're in Bayern for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Dude, so good. I'm pumped to get some waves with you. Yeah. Have you found your time just being in the Shire and cruising, making some tunes? Yeah, uh, making some tunes, surfing in the morning, um, chilling out. I come to Byron quite often to make tunes, working with this fellow named Jono from used to be in Jaguar Ma. And um, yeah, it's been fun doing my solo project and uh, we're wrapping things up. So it's nearing the end. Mm. And, um, Is that an AP? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to drop a few singles, then an EP, mm. see what happens. Dude. Yeah, it's great, man. Um, yeah, it's something so beautiful, I think, living up in Byron for the first time in my life. It's coming to the summer. Like, it makes you kind of proud. It makes, makes me proud having roots in Australia and, like, it's mm. a beautiful part to be. Oh, yeah. A lot of being, especially no with the state of the world right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, COVID doesn't exist here. In, well, it does in the northern beaches, but... Not in the northern beaches of Byron. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, um, yeah. man, you've really inspired me over the years. Oh, uh, I just really want to honor you, not in a weird Pentecostal way, yeah. but just like okay. really thanking you for, I don't know, just really 
presenting your truth, sticking to your truth and exuding such, um, such a, such a sweet song for the world, bro. Like it's, you know, some of these songs have really been like earth shattering and they've oh, been global, please. you know, like, <laughs> but yeah, they've really spoken to my heart, you know? So, oh, thank yeah, you. And, and, yeah. and for so many of my friends, it's been really inspiring and it ignited something. Like did, did music play like a, uh, a big part in your life growing up? Um, yeah. Around my teenage years, I guess I started being interested in music um, wanted to learn drums, but my mom said no because would have probably probably would have driven her mad having a twelve year old boy just kind of you know bashing skins around the house. So she kind of forced the not forced, but she said there was a guitar at home. So and my old man plays guitar as well. He's quite the shredder. Um, rest in peace. And um, yeah, I just grew up around a lot of music. Um, my, my uncle was the choir conductor at church. My aunt played the piano, the organs. And so I was, I lived with them for a long time as well. So yeah, a lot of choir practices at home. Yeah. A lot of singing at church. Did you ever worship played at church? I did. Yeah. 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 In Indonesian. Ah, uh, no, this was in Australia. In, yeah, yeah. yeah. In YWAM. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you explain what YWAM is to the YWAM, YWAM crew? Is, uh, stands for Youth with a Mission, Y-W-A-M. Mm. And it's a Christian missionary, non-denominational, non-denominational Christian missionary organization. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, in a nutshell, that's what it is. Yeah, dude. So, um, yeah, growing up in a bit of a like a spiritual kind of heritage, a Christian heritage. Your mum kind of grew up. She was her your grandparents were Hindu, right? Yeah, became Christian. Um, yeah, man. So, like, tell me about that faith heritage and and growing up in that world. And like, it, obviously, like for myself as well, growing up in the church community, like, there's such an insane, rich, artistic experience of. 300 people singing together in a room, young and old, you know, people from all over the world, you know, nationally. And it's, um, it's a pretty special thing to think back on that a lot of our friends didn't have growing up. But for myself, knowing that church and being there every week, as much as I don't go to church now, it was a special time for connecting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like yourself, I can't remember the last time I went to church, um, but I definitely... Um, learned a lot of things in church and um, specifically in music, you know, I mean, mm. it's an amazing breeding ground for, for, for musicians and for kind of growing a love of, of music and playing instruments and singing and whatnot. Um, but so my background is Indonesian and um, I mean, I'd say 99% of Indonesians grow up with a, with a spiritual kind of, Mm. Uh, upbringing, you know, um, mm. the they may belong to various different religions, but spirituality, religion is very much part and parcel of uh, in, Indonesian life, you know, mm. for for better or for worse. Um, it's great in the home, but it infiltrates obviously a lot of um, infiltrates a lot of the uh, it, the government, which yeah. which you know isn't. 
isn't always great. I'm more of a believer of the separation between, yeah. you know, God and state. So, um, yeah, literally yeah. in um, in my mother's country, like you'll have whole villages being paid out by the government to become Islamic. Yeah, that kind of thing. Just to and get votes. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah. yeah it's, it's, just, it's just like bizarre. yeah, it becomes I'm definitely about the separation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a powerful tool. Yeah, you know, faith and and religion and the concept of God. It's it's a powerful tool and. Yeah. You can definitely use it to manipulate yeah. the masses. So, because yeah. even like with your music, and obviously you guys have been hugely inspired by you too, and by Bono. Mm. And Bono talks so much about his faith and mm. his connection to the Christ. And mm. um, but do you think there is like a spiritual heritage thread that comes out in the Temper Trap and 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 something even in the sound and how you portray that sonic live? Yeah, most definitely. I mean. Uh, one of the other members, Johnny, who, mm. whom you've met, also grew up in this missionary orga- organization um, like myself. And so, you know, half of the band were... <laughs> it's funny. We used to have these... Uh, after band practice, we used to have these um, two-on-two basketball games, half court, and uh, science versus religion because half the band were <laughs> Christians and then... <laughs> the other half are just like staunch atheists. So you're always playing on Johnny's side. <laughs> oh, always. Um, but yeah, so there's definitely that kind of, um, I don't think, it's not, it definitely wasn't intentional. It's not like we got together as a band and me being, I guess, kind of the mm, main sort of songwriter. Um, it's not. It's not that I, had any aspirations of starting a, a, a Christian band per se. Um, but obviously coming from the background that I come from, I wrestle with all these sort of questions that, you know, kids from my background wrestle with, you know, all these existential questions in life and, and whatnot. So I just found music was kind of an avenue for me to express those questions. And I would say that I'd, I probably never really sang any answers, to be honest with you, but I did sing a lot of questions. You know what I mean? And that was, it was just a way for me to to communicate that because sometimes maybe it was hard for me to communicate that one-on-one with someone else. So I, I found music as that avenue. Yeah. Singing questions. Brian. Yeah. That sinks really deep. Yeah, because I think what happens a lot in fundamentalism is that you are fed a lot of answers, and there is right. a bit of this scripting as to like, yeah, Jesus rose from the dead, and that literally happened. The world was created in six days, and that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. You don't need to ask questions because yeah. the script has been given. Yeah. Um, but I think music gives you that space to really ask those big existential questions. Yeah. It's very. It's a safe space to do that. Yeah, I think so. Oh, safe space. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so. there's a lot of, I mean, I'm inspired by a lot of controversial music. Yeah. Which yeah. I guess, I mean, if it was, if music was always a safe space to ask questions, there wouldn't be controversial mm. songs. Um, but I think it's a great, whether or not it's safe or yeah. not, I think it, humanity needs to, we, we need to continually ask ourselves questions yeah that's how that's how we move forward yeah you know yeah 
Because even yesterday I was chatting to you about coming back to the inner child mm. and it's like kids are always asking questions. Yeah. Like, always. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you said to me that kids like always color outside the lines, you yeah. know, even yeah. in, like a little coloring in book. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like this thing of like we're coloring outside, we're drifting in and out, yeah. we're flexing, like we're, we're very tidal in a way. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I think the minute that we stop asking questions, that's when we really start to age in a negative way. For I think sure. there is this stuckness. Yeah. We become yeah. these reservoirs and not rivers. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Totally. It's great, man. And yeah. so these, these questionings, they're still continuing in, in your songwriting. Always. Like the questions get deeper and more. And oh, man. Multiplicit. Yeah. Well, what is it? What's the saying? It's like the more you know, the more you realize yeah. you don't know yeah. kind of thing, you know? So, Dude. I mean, that's just, I think, I think that's just, we, as, human, as humans, we just have to come to grips with that, that we will be asking questions. So, you know, to the, to the very last day. And that's okay. That's okay. We don't have to have all the answers. Oh. Yeah. Um, I feel like the more that I've gone into mindfulness and centering myself, the more I've really become okay with not knowing yeah. the answers. And even like, yeah. I think that you're so much mustering up this this question when you're younger of like, oh, what is my meaning? What is my meaning? Especially in the church. What is my purpose? What purpose has God given me? Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, I know the thoughts I have towards you, always quoting these scriptures about God's plan. And I feel like the I'm 33 now. Tiga pulu tiga. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's kind of like, I'm okay. I don't even really know where humans came from. Like we, yeah. you know, we probably are sapiens. We came from like Neanderthals is like the hundred thousand year old theory of, you know, um, you know, from like, um, scientists, archaeologists, um, you, Yuval Noah Harari who wrote the book Sapiens. Like I, I drift into that wave of thought, but we don't really know where humans came from. We don't fully know. And no. we're still kind of making these hypotheses and, yeah. and things. And, and spiritually we don't fully know, but I think it's just a beautiful thing of like we are here. Yeah. And like I'm right now fucking Dougie and we're having this bro moment and it's like yeah. I think – the more we don't know, sometimes it can help us to kind of drift into this, like I'm, I'm in the present and and this is really what matters right now Like, because the past is still a bit illusory, the future is a bit illusory, but this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, man. I, I'm, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I'm happy to learn and I'm keen. You know? Oh, dude, it's so good. Um, Drifting into one of my favorite rock anthems of all time, Sweet Disposition. Mm. Is that asking something existential? Lyric, um, lyrically, or is it more like when you were channeling that, was it just kind of these things were notions and nuances that felt needed to be said and the meaning came later? Or Yeah. Um, listen, I I think it was, you know, I've, I've had a... I've had a pretty interesting um, childhood, you know, upbringing, whatnot, I guess. And, um, you know, I, 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 I grew up quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and um, I think, you know, Sweet Disposition was kind of a song that came from this place of yearning of, of like a lost childhood that I think... I had, you know, um, 
when everything was more just more innocent and sweet, I guess. And you kind of, yeah, live with reckless abandon kind of thing. You know, I, I come from a very conforming sort of background and the Christian background. You know, you have to do this, you have to do that. And on the one hand, um, there was a lot of spirituality being taught and practice at home. On the other hand, there was also a lot of, a lot of abuse. So, um, yeah, it was quite, I think it was just quite, quite confusing for me growing up. Um, and I guess sweet disposition was just, a, again, just me sort of expressing this yearning to, to this, to this childhood that I wish I had, I guess. Yeah. Um, what's that lyric? Um, the pre-chorus. A moment. Uh, a moment. A love. A dream. Aloud. Yeah. Not a laugh, <laughs> which everyone thinks it's a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. A dream aloud, like we're allowing a dream. Aloud. Yeah, like we're allowed. Yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah. There's something about when those lyrics come out in the song that really bring me back to this present of like. You know, there's something so fucking existential about it where yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of this soul in an earth suit and I'm yeah. fucking here and asking these questions and yeah. it's good, man. But it's, it's crazy to hear that that kind of came back in, in, in a reflective notion of thinking about that inner child and yeah. what you did have, what you didn't. and Because yeah. obviously you you felt moments of freedom as a kid, you know, yeah. like uh, mingled with some rigidity. Yeah. You know, but yeah, um, yeah. Um, I guess you grew up in an American school, right? Uh, well, I, I moved to America when I was. Six, but in Indo, like were six you, years old? Was so. it like an international American school? No, in it was just Indo school. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah full blown wow. Indo school. Yeah, so I I left Indo when I was I think six years old, and I yeah. went to school in America. Your dad was a business guy. <laughs> No, my dad, this was right after my dad had passed. Had passed yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, the family got together. My mom had me, my parents had me when they were super young. Oh, wow. Um, and and <clears throat> I don't think, obviously I wasn't, I wasn't planned, I don't think. I don't think. And um, so, you know, my, I don't know if my parents were really equipped to, to be parents, you know, just, just yet at, at when, when they were that young. And so when my dad passed, uh, I guess the family or whoever was in charge, my grandparents and my mom at the time decided that it would be a good idea for me to have a more, you know, just a more stable kind of um, family uh, format, I guess. Mm. Um, so they decided that I should go to America to live with my aunt and my uncle. Mm. And so, and so I did. I, f- I forget what your question was, though. No, I was just was wondering, like, there? that situation of, of, of where you ge- geograph- ge- geographically grew up and that yeah. situation of schooling. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Because it was a very co- colourful childhood. Yeah, so I went to, yeah, I went to America um, and I couldn't speak a word of English and literally within about probably, I'd say, a year, I had completely forgotten Indonesian. So I became Americanized overnight, you know, I'm, Cereal for breakfast, Saturday morning cartoons, just like yapping on in American what? English. And then 
fast forward like six years after that, my. So you'd see your parents like how often in a year? No, I can't really remember. I maybe yeah. oh, your like mom, sorry. not yeah. not very often. Wow. Mom, I think my mom came maybe twice or something. <laughs> Could be wrong, but I think so- something like that. Oh my goodness, bro! And then they decided that I was to go back to Indo. So when I went back to Indo, I was I was completely. I looked like everybody else, but I was completely Americanized. I was crying because I I was forced to eat rice for breakfast, and I was just I was having the worst time with culture shock. And on top of that, my mom just put me straight into a full Indo school, not an international school. So I couldn't speak a word of Indonesian. I got bullied a lot. My report card was horrible because obviously, what am I? What the fuck am I learning? I can't understand anything. Um, and there were a few halfies in my class, like yourself, you know. Um, and so I kind of befriended them, or they befriended me because they could speak English. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of that was tough. Yeah, and so after, did you finish high school in Indo? In Indo, yeah. Wow, dude. So it takes a couple of years, you get fluent in, in Indo again. Again, yeah. <laughs> and you remain bilingual. I'm bilingual now. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, at that time. Um, and then at what stage did you come to Australia? And what, what was um, the allure to bring you to Oz? Well, I think it's just kind of, it's close to Indo. Um, yeah. I initially came to Oz to... You know, go to uni for my studies and whatnot. Ended up um, just doing YWAM instead of studying. Wow. Um, well, studying studying the Bible, <laughs> studying religion, Christianity, and um, and yeah. I mean, I I gave TAFE a few. I gave a few courses ago, and I kind of failed at all of them. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> I think the last course I did was music business at TAFE, and that's when things started picking up with the band. And so I, 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 was, I wasn't able to attend any of the classes because I was always playing gigs somewhere around yeah. Australia. And uh, I, just had to, I just had to choose one or the other. So, yeah. yeah. Did you come from a classic Asian home where your mum wanted you to study something serious? Oh, like, dude. It's a thing, yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. Fully. Banker, <laughs> doctor, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> and that's my whole family. Yeah. My whole family, from especially from my mum's side, doctors and lawyers and just Dr. you know Gigi. highly accomplished kind of. So I was always um, uh, what do you call it compared to them, you know, and yeah. and sort of yeah. I guess I guess my mum's hopes and aspirations was for me to be I don't know like one of them I guess, but. Yeah. But was there something like within your core that you're like, this is my truth of like, I feel drawn to music and I see, I see like yeah. the landscape of like, oh, this is where I need to go. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Because there's these like, Against all we've, odds, we've yeah. fed like a multiplicity of narratives and it's like, fuck, what do I believe? Like, I'm so young and this is the expectation. This is society. This is my culture. This is my family sending me these voices of like, you know, this is what I should be doing with my life and studying. But you felt still this pull yeah. towards the arts and yeah. writing and yeah. it's beautiful, man. Yeah. Well, I did give a few other things a red hot go and didn't work out. Like so what? I kind of, oh, my music business, uh, fashion merchandise and marketing. I studied that as well. Um, I tried to get into fine arts. I didn't get in. Um, and so, yeah, music was kind of the only thing that 
that I was half decent at, but I was very ambitious from the from the offset as well. Like it was, yeah. I didn't want to do it as a part time hobby. Like I wanted to go all the way. So, yeah. Yeah, all the way. All the way. That's cool, man. At what stage did um your mom start to go? Oh, this 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 could work. Ah, uh, when I started giving her money. <laughs> that's that's the that's the most effective way to shut an Asian parent Asian up. Mom, that's so true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, this is nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but no, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's just it's just a different. Diff- they come from a different era, and you know, yeah. culturally, things were just so different when they were growing up. I mean, even during this pandemic and now that I'm not touring and whatnot and I'm embarking on a new solo project, like a couple of months ago, my mom sent me a message going, hey, you know, you're almost 41. Uh, maybe you should try and find something else to do for, <laughs> for a living and whatnot. I'm like, mom, I've made three albums. I'm, you know, I'm, I've just spent a lot of money making this record, this solo project. I think I'm, by this stage, I'm safe to say that I'm a full-time musician. I'm not going to, I'm not about to like drop this and, you know. Go into marketing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Nah. But um, yeah, beautiful, man. I want to tap back into um, the spiritual side of things and yeah. um like I, it really fascinates me the story of like, especially a lot of my friends that have come from like the youth group world or just from quite a religious heritage and questions that come along the way, um, you know, because I, I feel like when you start questioning creed and dogma, like it's mm. it's pretty heavy for a young person because there's a narrative that you've been given mm. about the world, about the creation, about the stars, and then mm. you're like, well, I'm studying science now and. My friend's an atheist and then you're trying to deal with these bits of information. But, um, yeah, tell me about some of that kind of mutation moment of like, oh, because you went to Bible college yeah, and you were leading the masses singing the name of Jesus, you know. And yeah. so was there a moment where the questions got louder? Um, yeah, definitely. I think when I left, when I left that world and um, I was kind of just entrenched in the, you know, air quote, secular world, I guess. Um, And just absorbing a lot of different information that I probably wasn't really seeking out when I was in this missionary organization, you know. Um, The questions, yeah, definitely got louder and louder. Um, And and I'm still asking a bunch of those questions today, yeah. Definitely haven't arrived to... Any definitive answers? Was there any particular moments or like conversations where you were just kind of like, you know, our definition of God has to be bigger, you know? Because I feel like there was for me at least where I was just kind of like when I became a pastor Mm. and I saw the inworkings of the church and just saw, I guess, a lot of control over young people and a lot of guilt, shame cycles. Yeah. Um, a lot of people seeing tithing and offerings as like a penance and a way to kind of get God's favor. It was just kind of like, right. all this just seems very kind of dated and there's a right. whole world of abundance. And like, why are we so protective about closing our teenagers, kids' ears to, to the wider world? 
to try and keep them in church. Yeah. It's just a lot of control. And so for me, that was a moment of like, wow, it's clear before me. Like I want to encourage people to ask more questions and I want, yeah. you know, I, there's so much fear and trembling. Yeah. So yeah, that was my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do I have to add to that? I mean, yeah, I experienced all those things as well. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a shame that it's almost like, you know, we have this mandate as Christians or Christians have a mandate to sort of be a light in the world. But at the same time, we're also, I don't know about your church, but definitely the sort of circles that I was moving in. I felt like we were really kind of um, taught to shun the world. Yeah. Like things that are of the world. If you are into things that are of the world, then you're not, then you're kind of a lukewarm Christian. You know what I mean? But how are you supposed to, I never figured out how I was supposed to be an effective Christian and a light to the world if I knew nothing about the world, you know, outside of this Christian bubble that I lived in. And it just kind of debilitates you as a as a person you're not you, you don't you don't have the you don't have the faculties and the the skills to relate to people unless it's in it's in your terms kind of thing you know which i think is part of the reason why a lot of secular people are quite put off by by christians um so yeah i don't know it's I, I I had a few glimpses of churches. I went to a handful of churches. Well, a handful, maybe just one or two, actually, to be completely honest with you, where uh, people were asking some serious, relevant questions that are relevant, not just to, you know, people that believe in Jesus, but just to re- that's relevant to everyone. Mm-hmm. Something more universal. You know what I mean? And... Yeah, I wish there. I wish there was more churches like that. I think mm. we. I don't know. We, more people would probably be drawn to spirituality. Funny, like talking about in the world, not of the world, and this whole duality that we've created about what is church and what's not church, spiritual and secular. These weird terms that it all comes from mm. duality, and mm. it's so polarizing. And I yeah. feel like. I grew up with the same rhetoric, the same vernacular growing up, and mm. it's like, well, what does it mean to actually be? of the world and worldly is it like wearing earrings you mm, know it's just mm. kind of these things of like if you had a tattoo is that worldly and it's mm. kind of like my family went through these weird things about rock music that rock music was evil because it came from africa from like demonic satanic beats and that's really worldly and and it leads you to fornicate you know it's mm. like mm. well they're not wrong they're <laughs> <laughs> My church was even about like if you ate bacon, that's kind of really worldly. There's things, alcohol, obviously, it's so worldly, even though the Bible's got so much about wine, you know, in the Old New Testament. It's bizarre. But I feel like throughout the generations, these definitions of worldliness kind of change. It's kind of like, you know, what does it mean to be worldly and not worldly? It's like, well, it's culture, isn't it? What is worldly and not worldly is just that's it's culture, and culture always shifts. And once upon a time, it was, you know, you've, it's funny when you look at old photos of like, I don't know, like Flinders Street Station in the fucking 30s or something in Melbourne and you see all these people and they were all wearing hats and all wearing a three-piece suit and that was the norm back then. Now it's like, <laughs> what are you fucking crazy? That's just culture. Culture always changes and what's, 
what's uh, accepted, you know, in the I don't know, 1920s is just mm. not accepted in the 1950s and would be, you know, completely unheard of in this day and age, you know. Yeah. So and it's so sad because I think these 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 tribal terminologies and definitions like it stops you from actually connecting with people and so like for myself, like I want to be a citizen of the world and I want to be someone who studies people. Like I am in this earth suit as a human at the yeah. moment, you know, and it's like, fuck, how am I going to connect with my brother, my sister when I'm trapped in this church sanctuary, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was so hard. Like I think I was kind of discouraged to have too many quote unquote secular friends growing up. Like my mm. dad was even weird about me hanging out with Pentecostal kids Mm-hmm. You know, the fear, because like our church didn't speak in tongues, but they yeah, did. Yeah, so yeah, this yeah. fear and this tribal thing of like, that's worldly as well. And so yeah, this yeah, is yeah. kind of like, and so again, so much fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, but as a kid, you want to break the rules. So you go to a Pentecostal youth group. It's, yeah. it's, you know what? That's That fear is not, uh, it's not unique to, to Christians. Though. Oh, that's sure, It's dude. fear of the other, exactly, basically. Exactly, man. Is, is that what xenophobia yeah. means? Fear of the other? Oh, uh, foreign... Yeah. Xenophobia so, more means like, I think, immigration, like fear of like other cultures. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's all connected. Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's and that's just human. That's human nature, I guess. Yeah. Very good point. We're built to be tribal, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Because we're attracted to, you know, community. But then when a community gets too big, it's hard to, to manage. And so that community that huge community will inevitably break off into smaller communities yeah. you know and the thing that instigates that sort of breaking off will be some point of difference and it's usually not really that kind of yeah. important you know if you think about christian denominations and things like that like they 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 may vary in their opinions regarding certain i don't know I don't know, yeah. like whatever, dogmas and scripture yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But the essence of it, we're all the same. I mean, right. do you know what I mean? You want to love God, you want to love Jesus, and you're, but we kind of break off because, I don't know, one believes that, I don't know. Do you know you what I mean? You would actually kill people back in the day that didn't believe the same belief about predestination in Europe. Yeah, you know? It's of kind course. of like it's yeah. the, the most mi- micro differences yeah. cause these Hugely different tribal camps. For sure, yeah. And it's funny, even like on a micro level, like I, I meditate, I do yoga, I've done ayahuasca yeah. this year. Like I'm super Byron woke. <laughs> but like even last Love night, <laughs> I like I was thinking to myself because I grew up playing rugby league and I was from Newcastle. Did you have a play show in Newey, Newcastle? Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah, I grew up playing footy and it was like I wanted to be one of the footy boys growing up. Yeah, I'm right. so triggered around the footy thing now when I go to a party. Sylvia and I were at a party last night. As uh, in, like this, in a negative way? Oh, culturally, yeah. I'm just like, it triggers the fuck out of me sometimes. Oh, just kind of like, oh, yeah, you with the boys, yeah, the tinnies, yeah. Footy, yeah. 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 Extra dry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like now, but now I'm so triggered by footy culture, right. you know, and by lad culture. Like it, there's this funny tribal thing, but I'm very, oh, comfortable, around, sure. very comfortable around surfers. Like yeah, surfers, yeah, yeah, people yeah. that look like, you know, it's kind of like, Weirdly, I think we always need to reflect and go like, I'm becoming tribal out of a subculture so easily. Oh, of course. And it changes man. every year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just swapped one tribe I for know. another. I mean, the, the surfing tribe, you know, they, they can get pretty, pretty aggro oh, as yeah, well. Sure. Pretty, 
and weirdly yeah. denominational within like its own little thing. For it's sure, like, yeah. But yeah that, Locals but, only, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> These bloody blow-ins from Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I think that's the thing of like coming back to present and that's why meditation for me, coming back to the void and realising yeah. that I'm just a curvature of consciousness uh. and I'm in this suit and I'm half Malay, I think, uh. And but it's kind of like, but at the end of the day, I'm just essence and I'm just like the universe talking to itself. Like I'm talking to Dougie, but I'm just talking kind of to myself. Mm. And now little rumblings and things that we have, it's just the universe trying to work itself out. Mm. And that's why I think what religion has been good for is helping us to transcend skin color. Like at its root, mm. there is something binding about the gospel narrative yeah. And about the Jewish Kabbalah and yeah. about, you know, the Vedic teachings. There is something yeah. so unifying because it is going beyond yeah. the shell, you know. Oh, definitely. You know? Definitely. But I yeah. think it's like, I think for us both though, it's like church and religion to a point was like, it was something that we kind of graduated from in a way. That 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 template that, template that was so rigid, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. but I think the detriment when you just kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think it's yeah. kind of like, how could you do that considering this tradition is still 2,000 years old and it's yeah. like, there's got to be some wisdom in that. Oh, a, a lot. And you know, I, just let me cl- clarify, although I don't, I'm not, I, I'd be lying if I said that I was, you know, still a part of that world. I I didn't, I never left because I felt like yeah, for sure. any animosity towards you know, that, that culture or somebody, you know, somebody rubbed me up the wrong way to the point where, you know, I, I didn't really, that, that wasn't, I just kind of left and, and life just took on another, another path for me. And, yeah. um, this wasn't yeah. a line in the sand. No, it wasn't. And I'm, I'm just saying that because I, I have a lot of, a lot of, a few friends that were with me during that time with youth with, when I was in the mission organization that have since left the, you know, completely kind of abandoned the the beliefs and the church and whatnot. And they, they're just, they're kind of angry, you know, mm. something happened. And uh, fortunately for me, it was, it was never that. I mean, I'm, I saw a lot of, manipulation while I was there. I saw a lot of beautiful things as well. Yeah. But I did see a lot of manip- manipulation while I was there. I was able to identify it. And I think when I left the, the Christian bubble, I just gave myself time to, to think about those things, to, to, to like debrief myself. And then I just realized that, you know what, at the end of the day, it was just... It's just a bunch of people trying to make sense of this crazy mess, you know. So I, did, I never really held it against them, you know, mm, whether yeah. there was a church leader that said something to me yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Hey, man, who's to say that if I was, a, if I was in their shoes, I, would, I wouldn't have been susceptible to, to yeah. that as well. You yeah. know what I mean? Far be it for me to think that I'm so woke and enlightened that that would never happen to me. It's yeah. just people doing people's shit, you know, yeah. but try, trying to be the best, but, yeah. but fucking up believe, in the, on man, the way. It is complete truth that people are doing the best with what they have yeah. at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 
I think it's a really redemptive way to see it as well, to not be yeah. burnt, chip on the shoulder. Yeah. Like F yeah. the system, you know. It's like yeah. what um, when you hear the words Jesus Christ mm. now, like how, how does that emotionally make you feel chemically? Um, I think a, a mixture of feelings, man. Mm. Um, um, uh, nostalgia, <laughs> um, a little bit of a little bit of fear. Mm. Um, as in, oh shit, you know, maybe I need to. Maybe it's time to get my shit together, and you know, I still have a little bit of that. Mm. A little bit of that in me. But I feel like that fear sometimes is, fear can be a very useful thing, mm. you know. That's an emotion triggered within us as humans that is, that is supposed to serve us so that, yeah. you know, we're not just, you know, sleeping in the cave when the saber-toothed tiger is just around the corner <laughs> and we're just like, oh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm. So um, fear has definitely saved me from doing stupid shit on many occasions in, in my life. So yeah. Um, I think fear is something to be embraced. Yeah, and definitely. Harnessing also, that fear yeah, and, yeah, and, and making it work for you is the, is like the key. You yeah. know? It's difficult to do. Cause the Bible does say as well, that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. And that yeah. is completely true. But I also think my fear of not living up to my dream in my heart motivates me to make more beautiful art and totally. to like to be present with my craft. Yeah. yeah. So there's yeah. just, yeah, it's also true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So good. Tell me about male insecurity. Male insecurity. Oh, male Have, insecurity oh, in particular. Your insecurity, like, like what we might share considering, our evolution, but now, like, especially in music, you're yeah. probably someone who's quite melancholy. Mm. You know, you're much an empath. And how have you gone with, like, criticism over the years? And how do you take that? Was that ever oh. a sensitive thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm a- I, I've gone, gone in ways. Sure, <laughs> you know, like it's- yeah. It's funny, man. I feel like the, the older I get, the more I realize that um, I re- I'm just desperate for feedback. I just really need feedback. <laughs> And it's not it's not necessarily that I need a good feedback. I just need any any feedback. But also I am sensitive, so if the feedback is overly harsh, I get I get really insecure. I start doubting myself, questioning myself, can I do it? You know, even though I've been doing it for so long, like can I really is my voice really that good? Can I really make this song is it any good do people like it whatever blah blah so it's a constant battle because you definitely doing what i do in music i'm i'm aware that i'm not a one man show and that it takes a a team to uh although i'm the driving force it takes it takes a team to kind of to make it work or to or to to accomplish what what I want to accomplish. I'm not saying everybody needs to take the path that I'm taking, but yeah. Um, And so I don't, last thing I want is a bunch of yes men around me. You know, I cherish um, real people and real honest opinions, but I I am a little bit of a a softy as well. And um, that's, it's it's a constant battle. 
Um, did you ever go through a phase where like it ruined you when you got some critical feedback and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah? For I mean, sure. just, what like two weeks ago? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all the time. Yeah. All all the time. Um, but still balancing that with like you invite feedback. I of course, think, because I, yeah. I make songs and then I send them off to people, people yeah. I trust, people who I I want I want their affirmation, I want their opinions, mm. I want the people in my team, right? Yeah. I'm I'm very conscious of of um the fact that I I need a team to around me, a good team around me to make to kick some goals, mm. right? And so I trust them, but uh but yeah, I'm uh, so good, man. I'm, I'm I'm quite sensitive to <laughs> to harsh feedback, and so it's always about I I understand that the feedback is absolutely necessary, and then I just have to kind of rebuild myself after that feedback. Dude, even you showing me your demo before, like I, was, I felt honored with that because it's like it's early stages for a new project, and it's like we met very recently. And yeah, it's like you know, and I. I could see there's a humility about you and your craft that you're like, this is it, you know, putting it out there like it's a, it's a thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's a vulnerable thing, isn't it, Very. being a musician? You're oh, kind of... <laughs> and that's, I mean, lyrics is... I feel like if I'm just writing music and somebody goes, oh, I don't know, man, the drums are too loud or I don't really like that guitar solo. I don't, not, that, not that I'm writing songs with, I can... Shredding. Shredding <laughs> 15-minute solos, but... I could stomach that, but it's when I bare my soul lyrically and then people go, just not. Didn't feel it. Didn't feel it. <laughs> it's just, oh, do you know what I mean? It's just. <laughs> um, but sometimes that forces you to go back and, you know, maybe yeah. you, you kind of your ego is, in, you know, is hurting. But five days later you go, you know what? He was right. This is shit. I gotta, I gotta fucking. <laughs> Have you read the Four Agreements? No. What it's is an that? Incredible book. Yeah. It's all about mindfulness. It's like an ancient Toltec teachings that are like the Incas, Aztecs, like an ancient civilization. These uh-huh. were like the, the prophets that would write down, and it's amazing. But I think the second truth is don't take anything personally. So oh there's my a way, god, you know, right? it's kind of like, but. But beautifully, man, it's great how you can kind of callous your ego a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it is important because it, it helps totally. Because I think when you attach your identity to your performance, that's where you get a bit fucked. And yeah. I can yeah. get back into depression that way. And yeah, I was yeah. selling out that venue this year, but I can't even sell out that venue this year. And yeah. that kind of thing of taking things so personally yeah. because yeah. the world is so conditional. Yeah, conditions. Yeah. Hey. Hey. <laughs> 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 Was it ever, um, did you ever fear if the band went through like a rocky patch relationally, what would Dougie be without Temper Trap? And was that there ever like an identity, not a crisis, but just the thought process of like, if the band was to end, mm. who am I? Obviously finances is one thing, but as like a, like Temper Trap is a powerful rock brand, you know, mm, and it's mm, like, mm, and so was there ever a fear of that? Hmm. <sighs> No. Wow. No. I have, yeah, I know I just said <laughs> that, you know, I'm riddled with self-doubt, but I also have high self-belief at the same time. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It's a roller coaster, isn't it? It's up mm. and down, up and down. But I know that when I, when I am, you know, at my 
when I'm in form, I, uh, I believe in my abilities. Yeah. yeah. So, so no, not really. And that's not to say that, I don't know. Uh, I'm c- quite conscious that this is coming across quite arrogant, but, um, I'm not feeling that at all, man. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Um, were you just about to finish saying something? Nah. Oh, can't remember. Oh, I, I can't remember. I thought you were about to go. <laughs> 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 no, dude. Okay. So there's another question on that. So did you ever feel this pressure to be like, how the fuck can I write another love lost? How can oh, I Oh yeah, of course. And that, that kind of expectation on yourself. I'm like, why can't we write another sweet disposition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can we do this? And of course. like, yeah. And then obviously you've got labels connected and, you know, there's actually, yeah. you know. Well, yeah. that's, truthfully, that's where the pressure comes yeah, from. It's man. not really, I, it's not a pressure that I conjure up myself. I yeah. mean, left to my own devices, I'll just make music that makes me feel good. I don't care if the verse is five minutes long and the, there are no yeah. choruses. You know what I mean? It's, I'll just do what is intuitively So you feel fine. even intuitively like that. You're okay if sweet disposition is just its own thing. And like, this is what we're making now is new and we're breathing new life. And, and it still is beautifully art in that way. And there's lesser, how can I get these ROIs, KPI? Like, obviously we all want to write a big song. It's I don't, massive, know, I massive don't know what sings. KPI means. Oh, I like, know what it is. I'm being, yeah. <laughs> I'm being cheeky. But that's, um, that's beautiful, man. It, like, obviously we do think about business, but it's like, I try not to as much as I can, right. as yeah. much as I can. And that, that was the whole point of me embarking on this solo journey was that all that stuff you just mentioned that became so prevalent in everything we did in Temper Trap mm. that it just wore me out, man. Everything. I second guessed, triple guessed, quadruple guessed, everything. Mm. It just wore me out. It's not, I didn't write sweet disposition that way. You know what I mean? It was the most natural thing. It was uh, an afternoon in Melbourne. Lorenzo, the guitarist, came in and was just sat down and started mucking around with scales. And I went, oh, what is that scale? That's fucking sick. And then I just, I guess, started humming as I norm- normally do, started humming vocal melody over it. You know what I mean? Like, it just came, nobody was going like, nobody mentioned KPIs or radio or how long is this song or what's, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the BPM or blah, blah, blah. Like nobody, we didn't know what any of that shit was, you know? Yeah. And um, I'm not mad, obviously, at the success, but along with the success came all this other baggage that, in the end just made me so tired of carrying around. Yeah. And I thought, I need to get, I need to drop all these bags and go back to the the, the inner child thing, you know, wow. that 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 was that was in me when I wrote Sweet Disposition. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do now. Right. It's difficult to navigate because uh, for better or for worse, it's always gonna be attached to what I do will be measured up against the temper trap stuff. So there's still pressure, but I, I think I'm, you know, I'm older, I'm wiser. I can, I'm more thick skinned, so I can kind of deflect 
some of the pressure. I actually came back, back really excited more. from our chat yesterday, man, and I remember telling Sylvie, um, Dougie said to me, we have this craft and this art and we love it, but then we start to commodify it. Yeah. And I was just like, mic drop, dude. Yeah. Like it's because it is just so true. Like it's a perfect, if you can symbiotically get that right, because obviously you want to you eat off music. Yeah. But you still want to keep the art sacred and trying to massage and nurture and posture the art in that it's way. It's very difficult. It's fucking hard, man. Yeah. Yeah, in this capitalist world. For sure, yeah. You know. Art and commerce, they're strange bedfellows, but. Dude, tell is, me about. what it is. Obviously, you look incredible for a 40-year-old. <laughs> did you have a 40th? Did you have a party? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Where thank was you, it? thank you. Where was it? Uh, it was in, do you know Lombok? I love Lombok. Yeah. I, I saw a photo on Instagram I looked at it this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was your birthday. That was my birthday. Dude, yeah. I love, I've been there four times. Yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah. Whereabouts in Lombok was your party? Um, it was it was in, well, the the villa was kind of just outside of Kuta. Yeah, so, sweet. Yeah, that on area. On the south side or? South side, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that bay. That bay, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Dude, group hook. Yeah. Fun waves. Everyone can surf it. Yeah. Lombok is beautiful. I've never surfed Lombok, to be honest. Oh, really? No, no. no. <laughs> but, dude, tell me about aging. And so, yeah, um, has aging been something that you feared? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> dude, dude, turning 33, it, it hurt. Like, no, it didn't hurt, but my ego was like, wow, I'm actually into my 30s. When you're like 31, you're like, fuck yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, but now I'm like, the year Jesus died. You know, it's like, this is, ah. this is like real. And, but, um, Definitely felt it. I turned 33 like last week. And, but um, I don't know, man. But I think again, like when I center myself and when I see the greater landscape of the world and the cosmos, like aging is a beautiful thing. And the villages that our parents have come from, the matriarch, the 90 year old grandma, she was the queen, man. She was, she's the fountain of wisdom. She's respected. Mm. And I feel like our culture idolizes youth so much. We deify. In the West. Yeah, in the West. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not so much our Asian cultures, but yeah. it's just, it is bizarre when you're trying to make music and it's like, is there a shelf life? You know? Oh, and, yeah. You know? And there is, but there is, you know, there is timeless music, but it's like, yeah. So tell me about that. Um, Existential. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, I've been, I was introduced to death at a very, very young age. My, mm. you know, my, this might get a little bit dark here, but um, my, so my my dad passed away a tragic accident, plane crash, mm. when I was six years old. Him and two of his brothers actually were in the plane. It was a small Cessna plane, like ten or eleven people. And the um, I was six years old, uh, and I remember the um, the the funeral. Sorry, it was held at my aunt's house she had she had a giant house and it was an open like an open casket funeral so i just saw lines mm. of open coffins really and that's you know that burns in your mind as a six-year-old mm. so death and you know the the finite uh time life that we have is something that I've always sort of wrestled with. I sing about a lot. Um, I think that's why I'm just so desperate also to hang on to 
to youth or any kind of semblance of, I don't know, like just my younger self or anything, you know? Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very prevalent thing in my mind. Um, the end, the end, something wow. that's always on my mind that I always think about. Yeah, um, beautifully, in, in, a, in also broken, beautiful way as well, because like mortality is an incredible teacher. Oh, it pushes us to truth. The reason and the reason why we create the, the amazing things that we've created as humanity and and art and whatnot. And if if there was no end, we wouldn't be doing any of this stuff. We would have no meaning. Yeah. It's because there is an end. It's because the end is nigh that we want to make this 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 short time that we have here as beautiful mm. as as possible. You know, I think it's mm. almost everything we do is a species is to fight off. I think it's called entropy, which is, ba- it's kind of, uh, it's, it means that everything deteriorates, everything ends. Wow. And we're, as humans, we're so driven by this need to maybe not stop it, or even though we th- might think we're going to, maybe one day science will can stop it, but we're definitely trying to stall it as yeah. You know, as long as we cream. can. Exa- <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Bread saunas. <laughs> yeah. 40 year old dressing up like a 22 year old. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, who knows, man? With genetic coding, um, we might be able to live an extra couple of hundred years. Yeah. That's crazy. What's going to happen to marriages and things? Like, can you stay with your spouse for another 200 years? I don't know. Depends who she is. <laughs> <hey>. <laughs> Depends if she's Norwegian. <laughs> no, but. um. Dude, yeah, because I think I think one thing about our faith heritage is that there's so much projection about heaven and our future home that mm-hmm. sometimes you're thinking about the future a lot and you're like, well, if I die now or I'm going and my name's still going to be Billy, I'm still going to look like this and like heaven's going to be beautiful but just more perfect version of this. But I think when those questions of like, I don't know, there might be heaven but there might be this. We might reincarnate. We might be a soul that lives on and manifests in different ways. Who knows? But... I feel like now my grandma just turned 95. I need to call her. She actually just turned 95 today. Today? Oh, yeah. you haven't called her? I need to call her, man. You I naughty boy. No. <laughs> what time is it in yeah. KL? Or no, are you from KL? No. Uh, my grandma in Malaysia, she's like 92, so it's a different grandma. So uh, both yeah, my grandmas are still yeah. alive. But yeah, man, like I need to get down and see both my grandmas, you yeah. know, because like yeah. time is so short and it's like I think when you kind of lose a bit of that probably more corrupting fundamentalism for me, I'm able to go like, I don't know how long I'm going to see my grandma for because like mortality is a beautiful teacher, as terrifying as it is. Right. Because it brings me back to this and I'm like, totally. I'm going to be a fucking good uncle to my nieces because time yeah. is so short. Yeah. I'm already 33. Like my, thir- my, my 20s went so fast. Yeah. And how much I wasn't living in the now, I was still projecting and looking back. And, but it's like, yeah, yeah man, death. Like, yeah. do you read any philosophy? Do you read any stoicism or any? I mean, bits and bobs. I yeah. have, I've never really committed to a whole book of, of philosophy, yeah. but um, I, I, I mean, I love that yeah. stuff. I love discussing it with people. So even emperors and, like Marcus Aurelius would like meditate on yeah. death and what their death was going to look like. And like, yeah, because it brought them back to this, yeah. to the yeah. heart and yeah. to people. Yeah. And, and understandably, I mean, they were just yeah. at a, 
constant state of war the whole yeah, time. So, I sure. mean, how can you not? I yeah. think about death all the time and I'm fucking just chilling at Old Maids <laughs> in Brunswick Heads. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, man, um, that's, that's really, again, another redemptive reflection. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, it's been a really beautiful hour with you, bro. Yeah. Has it been yeah. an hour? Well, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks uh, for the convo. It's good. I've yeah. only ever done two. And this is the best one. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. The other ones were quite a while ago, back when podcasts were as much a thing. N- no, not yet. Yeah. It, was just, it was just kind of popping off. And the first one was really funny because the guy, I don't know why I was there as a guest because he did 90% of the talking. But was- <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love that? <laughs> There's a skill to this, dude. kids, if you're listening. You got to be a good listener, right? To be honest, as a, as man, a, I actually, an hour before you got here, Sylvie was like, turn it down because I was just listening to interviews of you and mainly with, um, uh, oh, what's your guitarist name? Uh, Lorenzo? No, the new one. Joseph? Joe, yeah. yeah. So you and Joe, like awkward interviews. Yeah. You guys are so awkward together and you're like copying each other's answers. You're like, what's your favorite food? <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> what's the worst thing about being temper trapped? Joe. No, oh, but I mean, oh, I hate yeah. those kind of interviews, though. Yeah, like popcorn, sound yeah. buddy, like, oh, dude. Name three festival essentials. I don't know. Oh. Shoes. Pants. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, toilet paper. I don't know. But in it, I can kind of see you guys are, like, beautifully over it, but kind of just giggling at each other, just yeah. trying to get through it. Just yeah. trying to, like... No, it's good, man. You speak really well. Oh, thank you. Likewise. Yeah. That's good. Um... I did want to ask you one more question. No. It's like a bit of a, a music thing. Um, yeah, what was it like playing with Rolling Stones? <laughs> oh, man, that's definitely a bucket list moment. I mean, Bro. I've been a Rolling Stones fan since I was probably 15 years old. Um, and to meet them and, and the fact that they were so cool and just chilled icons. And I've played with definitely lesser bands and, you know, whatever, obscure indie bands that are just so arrogant and standoffish. And then to find out that these guys are just so down to earth and cool. Well, I mean, I don't know if they're down to, they were just really nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. I complimented Charlie Watts on, oh. on his beautiful kind of like, I think it was sort of purple suit. It matches matched his shoes and I complimented him and he turned bright purple like the color of his suit and uh, it was just cool to see that you know they can still kind of get embarrassed and <laughs> and and uh, Keith Richards shit. really sounds like a fucking pirate um, but yeah it was awesome yeah man I'm just finishing a book on so Keith sick. at the moment oh yeah that yeah one, yeah I know the one yeah. Johnny Depp um no, I've, right. yeah I've got it but it. I still haven't I still haven't read it yeah yeah man I it must be cool because I remember, like, it was funny. Like, I, I listened to an interview, like, an hour before this, um, and you mentioned that you'd love to be able to make music or jam with Rolling Stones. And I think it was probably the year after that you played with them or something like that. It was, like, before you'd met them. So it's, like, mm. it's weird how sometimes we we manifest things, mm. you know. It's yeah. it's pretty beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. little childhood dream, you know. And Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think I wrote on a piece of paper somewhere, I don't know where it is, but – I wanted to have an album by the by the time I was 25 and I think 
conditions came out when I was 26. So I was a year off, but yeah, the whole, you know, I think if you kind of write things down or you, you kind of speak things, it, it does something right in your, in yeah. your brain and with subconsciously without you realizing you start taking these steps, little steps, you know, towards that, towards achieving whatever that is yeah. that you want to achieve. Do you write down a lot of things? I haven't. This I, I don't n- normally do do it. Yeah. I think I don't know why. Why I did that with with the <laughs> yeah with with temper trap? But I, I I remember writing that down. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Dude, yes. the word obviously I find this word a little bit triggering coming from the church, but like I do think it is like a beautiful word in its own space. Like the word like legacy. And mm. like leaving a legacy, and like, do you? Is there anything that you, you do feel like is your 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 mission to kind of leave the world? Like, is there is there anything that that inspires you? Like when it comes to like philanthropy, or because um, you you obviously have inspired so many young people. Yeah. And does that feel like it's part of this, or is that just kind of a byproduct? Or yeah, I hope it's just the byproduct of me just being me and trying my best to be half decent person I don't I don't really think about legacy and my mom is you know she's old school Asian and she's always pressuring me to get married and have kids and one of her reasons is don't you want someone to carry your father's name and that just doesn't that doesn't register with me it's kind of like well I don't really if I if I die like I don't why why would I care if someone's carrying my name or my father's name or cause, cause I'm the only son. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just legacy. I, don't, I, I feel like it's very much, again, it's sort of part of our, maybe part of our ego that <laughs> is so desperate to just stick around even when we're gone. Yeah. Building pyramids. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Uh, which is great because yeah. now I can go to Egypt and look at the pyramids and be yeah. in awe, but it's, I mean, I hope I won't be. That that's not going to be in a concern, you know, in the in whatever is next after here. Mm. That will just be in pure bliss. I don't know. Maybe that's heaven. <laughs> yeah. Nah, bro. Um, yeah, everything you said, like it's 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 resonating, bro. And I I really oh, appreciate you. you know you sharing your heart and being vulnerable because I guess we don't have. There aren't enough spaces, even in like music interviews that you've been part of, like there isn't enough space for vulnerability and just kind of like everything's so popcorn-y in like pop culture. We're just like throw these people in front of a microphone, say something funny, get off stage. Like I, I yep. love it when I see people that I've admired over the years just kind of creating space for reflection and like yep. considered speech. You yep. know, it's beautiful, yep. man. Yeah. Well, I mean, this wouldn't this conversation wouldn't wouldn't have taken the direction that it has taken if you as an interviewer hadn't done such a great job and asking great questions. So, you know, you got to yeah. give yourself props as well. This, yeah. was, this was great. I really, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank yeah, you. bro. Thank yeah. you, man. And honestly, like, again, I want to just thank you for, you know, just, just sticking to that truth of, of following that, that calling with music and art and expression, man, because it's like inspired so many people that are your age, younger, um, man, like, honestly, especially conditions, um, 
it evoked some things within me when I was like thinking like, do I go into music full time? Do I do this? But it was just this constant pulling towards make, especially making big songs. Like I love that you guys have created big tracks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that really do have like this. I listen to you too. And then I listen to temper trap and I'm like mm. this same visceral connection towards bigness mm-hmm, makes mm-hmm. me want to write big songs. You yeah. Know? And yeah. it's like, and, and yeah. rapping is like, once you can see something, you can be something and, I don't know when was the last time that we saw an Asian man in rock and roll, <laughs> but it is a thing. It's like you can't you can't yeah. be it if you can't see it. Like it, it is a subliminal thing of like yeah you know like, yeah, yeah 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 you know it, yeah. it's funny it's funny to joke about but it's just like <laughs> Asians are always jokes in movies. You know like yeah we are well I mean we, we started off with Lou. Asian lives don't matter right. <laughs> <laughs> We've come full circle. Yeah. We're always the butt of all jokes and yeah. movies. To be honest, when I was at um, when I was studying theology, like doing my bachelor of theology, I was at the gym, you know, just getting tanked, you know, doing my bicep curls. You know, I've already got my Asian calves. I don't need to worry about them. There's <laughs> <laughs> upper body. But I remember the original Sweet Disposition video um, with that that skater. It was really cosmic. Yeah, yeah. And then your face comes in. I'm like, oh, Asian. Yeah. It was so refreshing. I'm just like, come on, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it kind of took a lot of people by surprise. To be honest, <laughs> Man, we don't, I don't, we're ready for an Asian front man yet. Yeah. Um, nah. But dude, can't wait to surf you tomorrow. And yeah, um, it's gonna be fun. Yeah. Bright and early, bro. Yeah. Abang to all the Kelawaga out there. Say something in Indo to the family out there. Oh, kepada semua keluargaku yang mungkin mendengar. Uh, saya sangat sayang kepada kalian semua. Dah. <laughs> Tuhan memberkati. Tuhan memberkati. Tuhan memberkati. Love you, bro. Thank you for listening to the beginning of us podcast. This podcast is created on Bunjalung land, just south of Byron Bay. We pay our respects to the original custodians of this land. If this episode has connected with you, please leave a comment, share the episode on your Instagram stories, and subscribe to this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. The Beginning of Us is produced by Billy Otto. Theme music is by Billy Otto and Khaled Tusker. Technical direction by Eliash Perez. Find out all about Billy's many mindful projects and music by Instagram at, at Billy Otto. Blessings to you and namaste. Could you be, could you be my